first, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Welcome to another episode of Indie Comics Spotlight, the show where we spend time looking at an ongoing series or graphic novel from a company other than the big two. The hope here is that we can do a deep dive on an indie comic you may have missed or give you a chance to talk about one of your favorites with us on social media afterwards. I'm your host, Tony Farina of DC Comics News and Fantastic Universes. I've been reading comics since I was 12, and while I love a good superhero battle, I gravitate towards indie comics and standalone graphic novels because they give artists a chance to connect with readers in different ways and tell stories they may not have been able to tell with traditional comics or traditional novels. I hope that you enjoyed the show. Well, this week on Indie Comic Spotlight, I am blessed to have the creator of one of the best graphic novels of the year. In my personal humble opinion, we were just talking off air how if this doesn't get an Eisner nomination, I'm burning the place down. I do not understand. <laughs> oh I won't understand Eisner nominations if this doesn't get one. Mike, welcome. Hello, sir. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. And I didn't ask off air, so I'll ask now and hopefully I won't get Corrado. Corrado, yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> Damn. Nice. I should have asked in advance. So the book is Flamer, um, written and drawn by you. It's so good. And um, I, I, everyone I know who I can tell to read it should read it. I, um, somebody, um, I was at the library two weeks ago and I had mentioned it to someone. And then when I was there yesterday, she's like, I'm almost done. And uh, oh. <laughs> so it's the word is spreading. People, people love it. Awesome. Nice. So before we get into it though, um, let's talk about you. So. Uh, you're the first time on my show. The question I always ask everybody when we start is, what is your comic book origin story? No one gets to be who you are as an artist and writer without being a lover of comics first. And <laughs> I can see that people can't see your bookshelf behind you. I actually think, is that a Starfire action figure on the top shelf there as well? Uh, that would be Jean Grey. Oh, it's Jean. <laughs> of course it is. And we'll talk about Jean from well, far course. away. I can't I've tell. Got... Here's oh, 90s Jean Grey. Fantastic. Right? And also we have Marvel Girl. Oh, um, young Jean Grey. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, well, she we'll have to spend some time talking about her, obviously. She's a she's a big part of the book. So I stand um, Jean Grey, yes. Nice. That's fantastic. So that's that's awesome. I can't wait to talk because we've been <laughs> we've been messaging each other back and forth about the X-Men too. So we'll talk about that, obviously. But so obviously you're a fan. So how, what is your origin story? How did you, what was your yes. first comic? And then how did you say, that's a job? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I got into comics pretty young. I remember, I, I'm not sure the exact Genesis moment of comics, sure. but I remember a few things. One, I was really little and I was obsessed with Batman because of, um, like the 90s movies, yeah. Like, you know, we're talking Keaton here. And um, sure, of course. And also they used to, um, 
they used to rerun the old like 60s Batman show, which I was obsessed with. So I was a huge Batman fan as a kid. I wanted to be Batman. And um, so I was into that show. I was into, um, oh my God, I can't remember the name of the cartoon, but it was like Spider-Man and- His Amazing um, Friends? Yeah. With uh, Iceman and Starfire. That's or right. Or not Starfire, yeah, what not, was she called? Um, we were just talking about Starfire. It was, oh. uh... she was oh, only she... created for that cartoon. She didn't exist in the well, comics. Was it, wasn't it, wasn't it a dude? It was like a fiery dude. It wasn't... No, it was, it was Iceman and then... It was oh. Starfire, yeah. No, you're Fire right, you're Star, right. maybe? I don't know. Something... We'll to, someone's yelling, Dave Horst. I know, look at it, I'm, I'm already there. losing so much is credibility. Yelling. No, no, it'll be fine, but, <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. I love that, because, right, that was the first time Iceman had kind of crossed out of the X-Men, right? He was in, yes. he was on that show, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and also, um, you know, the Justice League cartoon, was it the... Oh, yeah, yeah, the one with John Stewart, Green Lantern, and, and Wally West Flash, and all those guys. Or yeah, yeah, like and, fans? you know, and I was obsessed with Wonder Woman. Um, so I used to draw Wonder Woman and Batman all the time as a kid. But I remember being obsessed with them, having all the toys, and um, that kind of led me into the comics. Like, I remember getting this Batman um, comic book, but it was, like, this gimmicky thing that came with a cassette that narrated this comic. <laughs> oh, and amazing. I still have it. Like I still have the cassette and I, I found it when I was moving a few months ago and I, it still works. I played it. I'm like, wow, this is a thing. Um, so I was like, wow. Um, cool. And then my, one of my best friends as a kid, his dad used to take him to these comic book conventions and they invited me. And that's when I got like- And this hooked. was in when where, was, like, which, which geographic area? Uh, so I grew up outside New York City in the oh, okay. Burbs. So, I mean, I don't remember where he was dragging us, but probably somewhere in the tri-state area. Nice. And, um, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot of money <laughs> on hand, but you know, I'd, I'd buy a few books, but I was just so enamored, like going to these shows and like, wow, look at all this. And I just loved, um the artwork like the the artwork I was obsessed with I have always known that I want to be an artist so that's definitely something that clicked where it's like oh I can do this this could be a thing um so yeah comics and picture books very young I was already kind of like hmm I love this um and so I kind of collected mostly DC stuff kind of on and off again I didn't have a lot of money so I didn't have a huge collection but then uh then I got smart um <laughs> in like late elementary school definitely middle school I was starting to save part of my lunch money and I would just like hoard whatever money I could and it is a sacrifice for me who loves to eat to not spend all of my dimes on like something extra, like that good humor bar. Right. So instead yeah. that went into my <laughs> my comic <laughs> collection um, piggy bank. Um, here's a fun story. Uh, I should mention first though, that I was hardcore collecting in, I think it was middle school when the X-Men cartoon came out. And I was like obsessed and I was like, 
where have you been all my life? Um, so I started collecting X-Men comics and I could not stop. Like I wanted everything and it I was determined to fill wow. my collection. I wanted the full backstory. I wanted everything. And anyway. So, so your comic book obsession formed, you were, you were part of the economy. You had to get a job and everything. At some point you can't, the lunch <laughs> yeah. money wouldn't, wouldn't cover it all. It would not, no. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like can't live on chicken McNuggets alone. No, but um, I used to keep saving my money and, oh, I know what I was gonna say. I used to take private art lessons. So again, like I, I started private art lessons when I was like four or five. Like Damn, I, my parents tried enrolling me in like peewee sports and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> um, why are you doing this to me? Um, so my parents are like, oh my God, like I came home crying from peewee basketball practice one day. I'm like, I hate it. I can't dribble. My back hurts. <laughs> like, Jesus, what do you want to do? Kid? I like that you say my back hurts too, as though. I did, I did. I was like, oh, I'm like, <laughs> You're you should see. I'm so grateful. There's no video of me trying to dribble it. I mean, what was I doing? I don't even know. Um, bent over like, eh, rolling hands. the ball around on the floor uh anyway so I yeah started art lessons really young I always knew like yes art 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 flash forward middle school I was going to the private lessons at this uh local art school that was around the corner from my favorite comic shop how convenient and my dad at some point was like you can't buy any more comics. Like you spend too much money on comics. Like that's enough. And I'm like, oh, I, life finds a way. So I, in my my evil brain, concocted this plan where I I started telling my parents that my art classes were like 15 minutes earlier than they actually were. So devious. This was like evil to me. <laughs> evil mastermind they know this story so, now that you're telling the world I mean, they know oh this. what are they gonna yeah, yeah. do now right there's no it's too late now you're like look at me off. Everything go ahead done. try yeah. so my whoever would drop me off and i'd go inside i'd walk up the stairs i'd stop in the stairwell i'd like count to 10 walk back downstairs peek out the door make sure the coast was clear and i would book it around the corner into the comic shop of like, all right, go. And I, I also found out that you can like, um, at that shop, you can make a, a list of title, new titles for them to hold for you. Yeah, your pull so was like, sure. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, I've already got my list that's set aside. Uh, so I'd calculate like how much money I would have left over. And then I'd hit the back issue bins and see what was uh... new, like flip, 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 flip. It's like, okay, I can afford this one and this one, let's go. <laughs> And yeah, do a quick a quick perusing of the new titles, see if there are any uh, mini series out that I must have. Um, and then into the book bag and then run to class. No one was the wiser. Um, nice. And that continued on for years <laughs> uh, until I was a you know teenager and I just did what I wanted <laughs> yeah. with my driver's license. <laughs> 
Right, then you're like, I yeah, well, they all thought that's how long art class was anyway. So you yeah. just leave and then, for art class. You know, yeah. Then I got a job in high school at the art school. Of course. So it was like, hey. <laughs> One hand and right out the, right out the Exactly, door. that's the, how it works. Did the art school people have a, were there like, did they get a cut from the comic shop? They're like, look, <laughs> let's, let's go into cahoots. Together. Oh, they had no idea. It was that's my, amazing. it was my little dirty secret. That's awesome. No, that's amazing. I, and I love the passion because your character, obviously, and we'll talk about this when we start talking about the book, he is obviously a big comic fan too. And the love is there. And I think that's so important. So because you love it, it was never, it sounds like it was never something that was just like, ah, I, I'm good, I'm an artist, so I'll try it. It was, you loved comics, you loved art, obviously. And so it was, there, it doesn't sound like there was anything that was gonna stop you from getting to where you are. Yeah, I mean, in high school, that was my dream. I was like, I'm gonna be a comic book artist. I'm gonna pencil for X-Men one day. Um, maybe before that, as a kid, I was like, I'm gonna be an animator for Disney, you know? Sure. So, and then I went to college and kind of rediscovered my love of picture books and was like, wow, um, these are so powerful and I'm, I just feel really drawn to all the contemporary work coming out in that field. So I started focusing on that, but I never forgot about comics. In fact, I was illustrating and writing a strip for my college newspaper uh, for a few years. Nice. Um, so uh, yeah, I was just, there are a bunch of things that I, I want to do. I just want it all. So yeah, nothing <laughs> wrong with that, right? Yeah. So yeah, I finally have my cake and I'm eating it too. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And you know, so you do lots of lots of picture books, obviously. And this this book is a uh, is, you know, obviously a lot more mature. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right from the jump. You you didn't pull any punches right at the beginning with the language or what was going on. So that was smart. You didn't want to, you know, you weren't trying to trick no anybody. Surprises. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, gonna, yeah. FYI. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna save it till the end. We're just gonna let everybody know right up front what's going on. Uh, well, that's cool. And so, so you still do picture books, obviously, but then you did this. So Flamer, um, which again is beautiful and I love it. And the cover in and of itself, which people can't see, well, you'll see, because I'll link to that, obviously, all the stuff where people can buy this. But the cover too is just gorgeous. It just jumps right out at you and, uh, and it's sitting behind you, which people can't see, but I can see there's, just, there's some back there, which everyone should own a copy by the time this interview is over, you should all be hitting buy. Um, <laughs> yeah, what are what you doing was, still listening to what, us? What, just... Stop, stop, just get over it. So um, how, what was your, how long did it take? You know, and was it, was there any risk of, because you are an illustrator for children's books, that they were like, well, can you put this out under a different name? Because we don't, because mm. I remember when Lauren Oliver put out a book for adults called Rooms, which is a great book. But I remember there was a lot of pushback because she just published it as her name, Lauren Oliver. It says Lauren Oliver's first adult novel. I mean, mm. you couldn't get more clear. <laughs> but yeah. because people were like, well, you know, you know, my every Lauren Oliver book I buy for my 13-year-old. Well, dude, mm. it says it's an adult book. Don't give it to a 13-year-old. So was there any, what was the process? Was this something you wanted to do for a while? Was there any pushback? Was there any concern that this is such a different subject matter than what people are used to Mike doing? Yeah. Um, well, a few things. I think it took about 10,000 years to wow. write. You look great, make. by the way. 
Ben, yeah, that, I'm Apocalypse's all... younger brother. Man, um, good so... job. Great genes, then there too. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> you know, I don't have like you know the anger issues, but that's good. Um, that's good. I, I've got the genes. So, um, I I thought about this book in maybe like 2010 or 11. Just like kind of thought about it, and then I got really. Um, I just kept thinking about it more. And then I went to an illustrator conference called ICON. It's like every two years, usually. Um, and Linda Berry was doing a workshop on um, writing for illustrators. And I was like, okay, first of all, it's Linda Berry. <laughs> and second of all, yeah, I I want to check this out. I mean, I, I had already sold my first picture books, nothing was out yet. Okay. Um, but I, it was definitely an area that even though I, I love to write and uh, I knew I had it in me, I was still feeling not as secure as I was with my illustration work with my writing. So I went to Linda's class and it was transformative. It's kind of amazing how like an hour long workshop can change your life, but it really did. Like I came out of there and I was like, I'm gonna make this graphic novel. Like nice. I can do this. And um, so it started there. So that was, I think like 2011 or maybe, no, it was after that. Maybe that was 2013 was when I went to the conference, right? So then I, I really set to work and then I finished writing it in 2014. Um, and my agent sold it right away to my editor who had also bought my little Elliot picture books, Laura Godwin. Um, and they both like my agent and my editor were just so supportive from the jump. Like they were a hundred percent all on board and honestly, not much of the text changed. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, of course things changed as we worked on it, but the, the overall arc, stayed the same. I I decided to change the intro uh, right at the end because I was like, there's something really missing with this. Uh, but other than that, uh, my editor is great because she really gives me a lot of room to do my thing. And she only kind of steps in when she sees like a red flag or, you know, just wants to point something out like, hey, I think maybe you need to move this over here because this thing happens here and the continuum, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, yes, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and then answering your other question about the pen name. Yeah. I, I thought about it for a while. Um, it was kind of up to me. No one, no one really said like, oh, you should really go this other route. I've seen other authors do that. I've seen like them separate their, their, you know, really young work from their young adults. Yeah, Claire adult North. Claire North. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was very tempted to do that. Uh, and I'm really good friends with Jared Krasowska who wrote Hey Kiddo. And okay. just, he experienced a lot of what you were just talking about because he already writes for um, like middle grade folks. So like young teens or uh, tweens or whatever, 
you want yeah. to call them, um, or like older elementary kids. And so the YA is a lot closer to his audience. So people just automatically, and he was already making comics, right? Like Lunch Lady series. And um, so people were like, oh, I love Jared Krasowski. I'm just going to buy this for my kid. Even though he would say over and over, like, this is young adult. There's intense content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like drug use and murder and like uh, really big stuff. So he definitely did grapple with that of people being kind of shocked, like, Buy, just buying it willy-nilly and then being like oh my god what's it and he's like I have said so many times yeah <laughs> it's young adult right. uh, I think for me it was different because I write for people who are so young that making the jump to YA there's not that confusion maybe sure uh, I think I've I think left out fair. like that but Um, this book means so much to me. It's so personal that I decided my name has to be on it. Um, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't bear not putting my name on it. It's very personal. Like it's, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I, I am proud, but it's also just, it's very much rooted in my own experience. And I just wanted to own that. Um, because also I mean, really, I wrote this for, I wrote this because I, this is the book I didn't have when I was a teenager and I'm trying to reach teens that need stories like this. And I think I need to be able to say who I am to them and be like, look at me, like, here I am. I I hung out and um, I'm still here and, and I'm doing it and you can too. Um, not to say like, <laughs> I'm perfect or I live no, the right, perfect life or yeah, I yeah. have no problems, but it's, um, I mean, maybe this would be a good segue that, um, spoiler alert, there is suicidal ideation in this book. Yeah, um, which got, rereading it, I read it weeks ago, Read it, rereading it for this, I got, I lost it again in those moments. It's like so, I'm gonna get upset talking about it. It's so heartbreaking because Aiden genuinely feels like like what you do, the way you set it up so that he genuinely feels like this is his only place he can go. God, it's just, it was, it's a gut punch every time. And so it's quality to the how, how good it is because I already know what's gonna happen and I'm still upset. I get upset talking about it. I get upset reading it again. It's that good and it's that powerful and it is that important, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm just one of the lucky ones that, you know, for several reasons decided to hang out. And it's such a huge problem and it just keeps growing, especially with the advent of social media. Um, and queer youth are at a much higher risk of suicide, self-harm, homelessness than their straight peers. Um, no, but also straight teens have seen, there's been a huge increase, especially among girls um, since social media began. Um, it's exponential. And, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't sit here and know that I was in that place and not try to do something. Um, so this was a book, not just for myself or like, kind of dealing with the trauma of my youth, but it's very much 
for other people to maybe act as a, a, a lifeline until they can find their community, until they can find like safe spaces where they can be themselves and be loved. Yeah, so I just I, want, yeah, go ahead. I agree. No, I agree. I mean, I, it, it's hard not to just be like, yep, everything you're saying, I totally agree. I mean, it's so true because it's, and the fact that this isn't, you're not, I mean, obviously your name is Mike and Aiden's name is Aiden, but you know, you, you share a lot of similarities with Aiden and it's like a loose retelling of your life story. But the, like that moment, the moment where Aiden thinks towards the end when he's going to try to kill himself, you're, that was you and in one moment you had that consideration as well. Yes, that's what you're saying. Right. Yeah. I do talk about it in the afterward. Afterward. Right. Um, it's kind of one of the only things that I'll own up to in the book. Like I, I don't want to go through the book with people and be like, this happened. This didn't happen. This right. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. This didn't We're not going to do that but, here either. We're yeah. definitely going to talk about Jean Grey though. Eventually. Oh, so totally. don't worry. That don't definitely worry. happened. So, but, um, but that's, that's the important part, right? That yeah. is the, the cornerstone of the whole story is about, you know, where I went as a kid because I didn't think this world was safe for me to live in. Um, and so the whole story is built around that moment, which yeah. I mean, obviously it, it, is the climax because- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you don't start there. We don't start there, uh, we end yeah. there. Yeah. Um, but we don't really end there. And I appreciate yeah. that, that that you at the end don't, um, you don't leave us to wonder, you leave it, you give us a, you give us a solution, you give us a, and like you said, nobody's life is perfect, and this is this is one situation for one kid. But it's really hopeful. Like you, you crush us so that we feel hopeful at the end and relief, <laughs> um, which is good, right? If if we didn't love Aiden so much, then then that moment it, it means less to the reader, and then the end when the things happen at the end that also means less because we didn't care. So you really, you know, by by giving us you know hundreds of pages before this moment happens. Um, and there's a page leading up to that that I definitely wanted to ask about. I think it's like page 143 where he's curled up on his bed and the words are on the walls all around him. Yes. That is such a, that is a, I, I don't want to as a poster on my wall because it's horrific, but it's, but yeah. I do because it's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to look I at that you. every day. Yeah. But it was, um, normally when I do these, I don't ask those kind, these kinds of specific questions, but that one panel, I keep coming back to it over and over. So I am curious is the genesis of this of this panel. So um, I'm pretty sure it's page 143 for those of you who are reading along. Um, Aiden's curled up in his bed and there's these words that look like they're on the wall, but they also look like they're floating around him and they're like suffocating him and pushing down on him. How did you how did you see that? And how did you make that page happen? It was that, I just am curious about the process of that one page, I hate to bang out a panel like that, but man, it's so good. Yeah, no worries. I, um, you know, I remember having a lot of sleepless nights um, when I was at that point. And I just remember the relentless voices, right? The, all the, the inner demons, the outer demons, all my fears just eating away at me. And it's not even like it was just one, right? It was like this, multi-layered like oh my god there there's just all these things to be scared of um and it it felt it did feel crushing like i did feel like i was imploding um so yeah i just wanted to represent that visually by having 
just this layering of words where it's so overwhelming. Aiden's very small on the page and the, it's the words, the fear that's taking up all the space um, and pushing down on him. He's, he's on the bottom of the page in the corner and he's in fetal position. And, um, you know, how much can someone take, right? At 14, I, yeah. Yeah, and um, how, how do you save, air quotes, save someone um, when what is, what is hurting them is inside, um, you know, internalizing all that hatred. Like that's, it, it can take root inside of you and, and then no one even has to say anything. It's, it's living inside you. Um, so anyway, yeah, <laughs> so no, yeah, I, I basically, no, I... yeah, I just, I, I've had a piece of paper and I just uh, wrote all these thoughts over and over and over um, and they're all overlapping. And they're things that I remember thinking as a kid um, or things I've thought throughout my life. Um, you know, the, the lies that are told to us or we tell ourselves uh, about why we're not worthy of taking up space. Um, so that's, that's how that happened. Yeah. And it is, um, you know, it's, it's inks and then some Photoshop magic um yeah and presto you've got a <laughs> and you've got a, a sobering piece of art <laughs> a sobering piece of art is the way that, and it is and that's what it is i mean this whole it's obviously all a work of art and you've written it you've drawn it but that that one moment in kind of and again smartly you take us through and we'll go back to the beginning here i've got a bunch of questions about stuff and i but i'm an english teacher that's my that's my oh, awesome. believe it or not Comic book podcasting isn't is not lucrative. I, you may be shocked to hear that, that, that there's um there's not a big market. I mean, there's a big market for it, but it turns out it doesn't bring in a lot of money. So uh, my real job is I'm an, I'm a college writing professor and an English awesome. teacher. So yeah, so the English teacher in me always wants has theories, and then the best thing when I get to sit down, normally the show when I don't have the creator on, it's just like me and one of my nerd friends we sit down and we we go for it. Like, and we're like, this is what we think. And I had a show I just recorded, Oni Press has a new book called The Vein, which is about like vampirism through history. So we're like, oh. the whole time we think we know. And then next week we're gonna interview the writer and then find out how wrong we were. So that'll be, <laughs> that'll be a joy. So I'm gonna do that with you in just yeah. a minute. Cause I've got lots of, this has been fun. So you could be like, nope, sorry. Well, I hope I don't idiot. disappoint too much. No, no, like, no, oh, I love uh... to be. No, was... no, I love it when I'm wrong because, you know, we all have had those English teachers when we were kids who were like, it only means this. And then you find out later, like from the author, him or herself, it's like, no, it doesn't have to mean that. So, yeah. um, you know, I just want to hear your, you know, your thoughts on my theories and I, I love to be wrong. So um, I want to go back there. But yeah, that one moment. And I think this is what you do. And this is because you're, you're telling a story of this kid. It all takes place in a condensed period of time. This isn't months and months, but we learn about his entire life in such a short period of time. At no point, he's telling us his story in first person, but at no point does it feel like he's exposition man, which I appreciate because um, you do a good job. And kids, kids out there, when you read this, what Aiden does is he writes letters with a pen to his friend Violet and he puts <laughs> it in the mail with a postage stamp. These are things that 
people used to do, believe it or Imagine not. Imagine that. But that, but that you mentioned the social media thing, and that was one of my yeah. one of the first things I wondered is 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 his isolation and the and the, this theme of isolation. So that's why I wanted to ask about that one image, mm. and he is so isolated in that image. And while he's with all these kids the whole time, and he's got his own troop, what is there? There's Bobby, Mark, Ryan, Elias, David. Those are his group. I had to write all the names down. I didn't have them. Yeah. I should have put it in a song. I should have put it in a song like Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, uh, <laughs> Mike, and then I would have remembered them all. I had to write it down. So these are his group. So he's around people, and you know, and they act like asshole fourteen-year-old boys do. Um, but he still feels very isolated. And so that intent to set it in kind of your own youth or at a time, you know, in when there isn't social media, when there is not that instant access, I'm assuming that I, so you, that was an intent, it's your story. You could set it whenever you wanted, but that was an intentional right. choice. Yeah. So that people could, could feel an extra layer of isolation for him. Yeah. I, it's hard for me writing in contemporary times because mm. social media is such a game changer and it's I find it really annoying actually because it, it it undoes so many uh possibilities with the writing because it's like oh well they could just google it and it's like oh right. my god you know <laughs> no that's true um, yeah yeah but also I mean the book is also a bit of a love letter to the 90s uh I have only love and hate for the 90s. Sure. There's nothing in the middle. Uh, like the music and um, the music I love, the comics I love, uh, the clothes, hit or miss. Yeah. Uh, well. And, uh, but I do, I do feel lucky that as a kid, I didn't have social media. Um, so I, I like to kind of share stories with young folks about like the olden days of like, you know, you don't always have to be a slave to your phone. Like you can live your life. Like we all somehow survived. Correct. Without yeah. our phones. Um, and this and this whole story is only in a week, right? But like- It's one gets, week of summer camp. He gets several pieces of mail and you know, and like when Violet does it right one day, he's stressed out. And I just so I looked at that and I was like, it is such a commentary on the way that it is now. And people are like, I see that it says red. She read yeah. it. I know that she read yeah. it. Well, that's where Aiden would have done if it was now, where he'd be like, Why isn't Violet writing me back? It's like, where's the mail? Oh no, where and then you learn later there that it wasn't. Violet didn't let him down. It was the troop leader's idiocy and a bear that screwed everything up. So I just <laughs> love that that way of of, um, I guess my question is, do you think, and I'm going to do with these kids who say, I'm older than you, like I, I graduated from high school in 91. So, um, but, but we're, you know, we're in the same generation-ish enough so I can do this right. with these kids these days, that <laughs> Aiden is forced to compensate and deal and make friends with people that he may not normally have made friends with. And when Violet doesn't write him back, he has to adjust. And do you think these kids these days, and this was this a commentary that you were making, they like social media is a curse and a blessing. And of course we already talked about what the curse of it is. The blessing is, is you don't have to cope in real time with the people around you. You can remove yourself. And were you trying to say like, sometimes you have to, you know, deal with the resources that you have in front of you to survive instead of, you know, solely having, well, I can always reach, like he could always reach Violet 
all he's got to do is text her so everything will be fine. Like, was there this idea of, of looking within a little by removing that too? I mean, there wasn't really a plan to make a statement about social media with the story. That's I think fair. it's more, so there are things, the but time. I agree with everything that you're saying. And I've thought about these things afterwards. Um, I, I mean, I've definitely had thoughts about like my little Elliot series is, is set in like the late thirties. And I've told people like, well, he has to be in the real world. He can't just, um, you know, order his cupcakes on um, seamless. Uh, you know, there, there are things I, and that's, that's the thing about writing is you write something and then there are a bunch of things that fall out of it afterwards. They're like, oh yeah. And it is kind of not a statement on something, but, uh, maybe is, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, that's totally fair. (laughs) No, again, that's the thing, like, you know, that's what I'm saying as somebody who reads, like you set it in a time to be reflective of your own time, but then it's hard not to layer those those things yeah. there and be like, well, what, you know, you could have, even though you're telling your, you know, a version of your own story and you're, you know, you're reflecting your own childhood, um, but it's still, you you still made that choice. Like you said, it, part of it is like what you said. I mean, there's Boom Studios rebooted the Buffy. Buffy is a comic book in present yeah. day. So Buffy with cell phones is really bizarre because that's yeah. part, of the, part of the joy of Buffy in the 90s is that, you know, she could just, Giles could send her away. And all she had was, you know, the people around her. There was no, she couldn't Google, what is this demon? You know, oh, God, <laughs> you yeah. had to go to Willow to do that stuff. So, um, so I, you know, so sometimes it is, you're just doing it for plot, but then, like you said, there's an extra layer of, of intentionality or uh, if you wasn't your intention, it's accidentally there if you look for it. And I think that that adds an extra layer to the story. Yeah, I think, you know, there are differences and similarities, right? The difference is that, yeah, like there is a more, um, there is more isolation in like literal isolation, (laughs) not being able to communicate in real time with people, um, that distance was a big factor um, in not being able to stay connected with people. But I think that um, people, I think especially for kids, I mean, people who grew up with smartphones will have to tell me, but it's my theory that growing up with a smartphone, they don't have anything to compare that to. Um, So everything's just kind of sped up. So, you know, young me writing my letters and wondering where my friend's response is that can take place over the course of like a week or two, maybe. And I could be like, when is, you know, when, when is this happening? Or to your point, you can see like, oh, it's marked red. I need to know like right now. So like, it's funny because there's this weird trade-off, right? Where um, say young me felt isolated for so long and just like the not knowing could drive me nuts. Uh-huh. And now you can know right away if someone has seen it and is choosing not to res- respond or whatever. But I think the commonality is that even with technology as it is, we still we still don't know what's going on with someone else. You know, right. you can see that red thing, and and this happens to me all the time. It's like, yeah, I read it, but right at that moment, 
a dump truck almost ran over my dog and I had to yank her out of the way. And I was so flustered by the situation that I forgot that you messaged me and I had to like deal with all this other stuff. You know what I mean? So we just, miscommunication is still rampant even though it's more readily available to us. Yeah, Um, and miscommunication is such a, such a thing, a theme in your story as well. Um, so Aiden, so the story, everybody, and I know we, we were 45 minutes in and we still haven't believe it. So Aiden, Aiden is it this version of the, your world's version of the Boy Scouts. Um, the Flaming Arrows is the name of the group that he's in, which is His delightful, yeah. by the way. And that, was a, that was an actual patrol in my no. troop was the Flaming what? Arrows. I was like, okay, the, the irony of the whole thing was, okay, that <laughs> I love it even more now. Um, and so Aiden is, um, he's, he's, it starts off by saying, you know, this whole thing about how he hates boys. And he's like, I can't be gay because I hate boys. They're gross and they're mean. And, and then you're the thing that you were describing about yourself, sports, that obviously translated. There's a scene, there's like a splash page of Aiden trying sports, which is hysterically uh, tragic. Like he wants to care, but he really can't care. And he's so bad. Um, but I like when you're like, oh, my back hurts. And I, you know, he just, he hates sports, which is fine. You don't have to like it. But of course you put him in this Boy Scout troop and you talk about miscommunication. So Elias, who's his, who's tent mate, and is this boy who's like developed, and we've all been there, right? Every There's always somebody in your group who developed faster than you. Like there's people in seventh grade who have like full beards and you're like, what the fuck is, wow, how, yeah. wow, how did that happen? So like you really tap into that whole thing and that you can be the same age and be in the same place. But again, miscommunication because you all think you understand things. So Elias, Aiden kind of falls in love with Elias and Elias is his friend and is not, is not, interested in him in any other way other than he's like a good he, he sees him as a good friend and so there's that miscommunication there and I and like you said it doesn't matter what you have you can't google that like whether you said it in in 1995 or whether you said it in 2020 at no right. point could Aiden go does Elias Siri <laughs> does yeah. Elias like me and Siri would be like I don't know so <laughs> so the so the idea of miscommunication is there the whole time and then the repercussions of of those things because in all walks of life, we don't actually just, we're not direct enough with each other. And of course, 14, it's really hard to be totally honest and direct. And then we see the repercussions, I guess, air quotes, repercussions of what happens to Aiden when he is finally honest with Elias. And so it's a long wind up to talk about that whole idea of, of secrecy and, and not being able to say what you think and to be direct and to have that open lines of communication runs through the whole book. Right. Um, so as you were writing that, like as you were going through the process, was there this layer of, was there ever a moment where you're like, well, that's too much? Like that's, there's this trope in YA literature where it's like, I'm going to keep a secret from you. And that's just annoying. Like, why? Why would you, why? Why would you keep that? There's no reason for you to keep this secret. I mean, sure, from some people, like I would understand why Aiden might not be in a big, big rush to tell his dad anything because his dad wouldn't be interested in his dad's, you know, verbally abusive and not a good guy. So that's different, but it's like this idea. So was there ever a moment when we were writing where like, well, that's a bridge too far of these layers of miscommunication. Was there a risk that you'd be, um, you know, turning it into just that story instead of Aiden's story? Um, I think 
I think what kept me on the path was um, if there was if there was a secret, it was always tied to the very real fear of um, being outed. Uh, you know, it just all stemmed back to feeling safe. So a, a secret is kept when you don't feel safe. So you have to think about like, well, what are the potential repercussions of this revelation? And so Aiden is always going back to this idea of him being physically harmed. Right, um, that happens, will, yeah. Yeah, which will force most of us to keep a secret if yeah. we think that we will most certainly be um, hurt or maybe killed for, for revealing some knowledge, we're gonna keep those cards pretty close. Yeah. So there wasn't there wasn't anything secretive that was uh uh just just because. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Um, well that was that was the, that was what I was wondering because like you said, yeah. there's this whole there's a, there's a tendency to do that. And I wasn't trying to suggest that that was what was happening. I was just wondering, like you as a writer, oh, you, yeah. want to, you want to tell the best story you can tell and you want to kind of avoid those tropes. But again, I also think setting it when you said it, it's not set in 2020, where of course, even still now, you know, kids, you know, queer kids are 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 at risk in 2020. And this was what, probably 95? Is that what this is? Right, I don't think yeah. Yeah, obviously it was even different different then worse then, much worse then. So, um, so I, so yeah, I, I definitely understood where I wasn't trying to say, you know, why didn't he just, why didn't he was just like, Hey, everybody, <laughs> you know, I'm here, I'm queer, deal with it. Like, of course he could, he could do it. He was even afraid to tell Violet. And I actually think that's my favorite, um, heart. I, I when I described it to, to one of my, uh, children, um, who is bisexual and who's with a trans man, that's her partner. I, I said, oh, you guys got to read this. I sent them a link. I'm like, this is heartbreakingly beautiful. That's the word I described it because it is both things at once um, and how how painful it is and how much you love it. The moment when he's writing to Violet and he's trying to like use coded language to mm -hmm. her, that was just, because it's like, this is the person who loves you most in the world and you can't even tell her. So it was just like, it killed me a little, but it was also so true. I just, I just thought it was great. Do you have a violet? And I know you're not what I'm trying to do that. Do you have a violet? Oh, but I do. And nice. um, so the dedication is to my friend, Lara, who, right. you know, is my real life violet. That's awesome. Um, and I don't necessarily have like a, an apples to apples. Uh, this character was this person in my no, life. No, no, right. Violet I was hoping was, you did have one. Yeah. Yeah. Violet was definitely a uh, true blue ride or die best friend pen pal and we would only see each other like a handful of times as kids but no one knew me better I mean yeah. we wrote to each other every week or several times a week um we would charge up <laughs> long distance calls of course um, people don't understand that anymore yeah. what do you so mean? if long I distance calls if I wasn't spending money on comic books, I was buying, oh. they had these things, kids, called phone cards. What? So that you're, you know, so prepaid phone card, you'd buy this card, you'd enter in the code. And so it would like, it, you know, it was like a gift card for your phone because your phone. I kept getting in trouble for these like right, expensive your mom phone would be calls. like, what is going what? on? Yeah, yeah, two hours. Yeah. 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 Um, 
so, been there. We've all, I mean, I've been there. I was to say we've all been there. That's not true. People <laughs> of a certain age, we Xers have all been there. How's that? Xers yes. have been there. Yeah. And, and Laura and I really did meet at a summer camp. And what? she really did double dog dare me to sniff some pepper to see what would happen. Would would I sneeze like they do in the cartoons? And it's like, and we were, you know, it wasn't just the two of us. We had witnesses and then the double dog dare happened. It was well, like, what are you oh, great, do? okay. And guess what? It does. That's really what happens. <laughs> That's you true. sneeze Facts. nonstop like Look an at- ass. I was, I had to put my head upside down, like under a, a water faucet to like try to drain my sinuses. I was like waterboarding wow. myself to relieve Don't the pepper that. pain. So yeah, Don't so do you, it. you could have, if you hadn't done this, obviously you and Lara could have gone myth, the Mythbusters route. If either way, <laughs> you would have been, right? You guys- uh, I, I think I learned from that moment, not to uh, take that bait anymore. <laughs> yeah, not to, it's good. It's a good lesson that we all learned. All right. Well, I've got. I know where I want to be respectful of your time, but there's two ba- major things I still want to cover. Of course, I wanted to yeah, end no with the X Men. So, but the one thing. Oh, so, when yeah. I was talking to my wife, so there's a character Ted um, in this book who is the scout troop. He's the um, orienteering st- scout troop leader. Which He's a uh, as an orienteering merit badge counselor. Sorry, see, I was just gonna say, as a non-scout, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, so I appreciate you. You did. I didn't no even get there. You corrected me. Thank you. Um, which is essentially kids again who have phones that tell you where you are all the time. You actually had to like learn where you are and orient yourself in the wild. So that so yeah. this is a merit badge where essentially, like when you hear it written out, we're gonna take kids and leave them in the woods. And tell yeah. them to find their way home. So <laughs> good luck. Yeah, good luck, kids. I mean, I drove from Michigan to Florida in the back of a pickup truck when I like when I was nine, eight or nine, you know, because it was the 70s. So, you know, leaving kids alone in the woods in the 90s, that doesn't even shock me. But I'm sure some people yeah. were reading this and were like, you can just do that. You can just leave them out there alone. But <laughs> so anyway, so Ted is clearly gay. And um we find this out. He's fired for this. And, and my, so my wife's question that she wanted to make sure I asked was about, you know, we see this all the time with Boy Scouts. It's like there was this whole thing. And now it's a little bit different that there can be, you know, openly gay troop leaders. But for the longest mm-hmm. time, that wasn't okay. And then, you know, we heard these revelations of these ped- pedophiles who are all straight men who are doing terrible things. So how important was that to you that you, that you made sure that story was there to show that stark contrast? Um, and was there, and again, you sounds like your editor probably didn't, but I just was curious, was there ever, like as this book is coming out and they're like, yikes, this is what's happening in the world. Was there mm-hmm. ever any editorial pushback? Like maybe we're gonna cut the Ted stuff. Uh, no, there was never any talk of cutting anything. And I was surprised because I, you know, when I was writing it, I was telling my agent like, you know, there's some stuff in here, I don't know. I don't know if we can sell this. And she said, just don't edit yourself. Just write everything down and we can always have discussions later um, with the editorial team. And nope, nobody asked me to take anything out. And I, I really, it was very important for me, you know, Ted is a made up character. Um, but I wanted to 
first of all, um, pay tribute to, you know, gay scout leaders that were, and gay scouts who were outed or tried to come out themselves and be their honest selves and they were rejected, they were cast out. I have a, a friend who um, was kicked out of scouting. Um, he, he was a life rank, so that's the one right before Eagle. And he wanted to achieve his Eagle, which is the highest you can attain. And, um, and they, they kicked him out for nothing other than saying he was gay. I mean, what is that? That's um, bullshit, is what that is. Yeah, it's, it really is. It's, and it's, yeah, the indignant, because Ted's the best of them. Like, you love Ted. Like, as a, as a reader, you're like, Ted's an ally, to, not just to Aiden, but to everybody. He's a great guy. And when when the bully is, is uh, what is, is Mark the bully? Mark's the one who's the worst. Uh, there are a few. So, yeah. But actually, I don't think Ted and Mark ever cross, but there's oh, right. unnamed the unnamed, unnamed bully in unnamed the asshole orienteering during orienteering. Class. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and when uh and when Aiden takes him down a notch, Ted's like, good one. And I was just like, yeah, I know I just loved, I just liked <laughs> I, I love that he was there to be that guy. And it wouldn't have mattered whether it was Aiden or anybody. And you got that feeling about Ted, is it wasn't like he recognized like I'm gay, you're a gay kid. It was like whomever, like the you know, stand up to the bully, you know. So I just thought it was such yeah. a um kind of so good. It was just and great. I, I, I liked him. Yeah, I like Ted too. And I actually, I, I remember um, having uh, counselors at camps and I remember clocking them. Like I remember every now and then being like, I think that guy is gay, but it didn't bother me. I just thought it was like really curious and I felt like worried for them. And um, I didn't personally know anyone who was actually fired, but I have like read plenty of cases in which people were let go. And, um, you know, there's also this scene where Aiden is eating lunch by himself and he overhears some adult leaders after Ted gets fired, um, kind of arguing about whether or not he should have been. And there's like, you know, this one guy being like, this is BS, like, who cares, you know? And then the all, you know, these other um, men saying like, no, they're pedophiles. They're coming for our children. They're perverts. We need to get rid of them. And I grew up hearing these things, you know? Um, and that's really damaging. It's so damaging right. because they're already setting up this, this future of impossibilities for Aiden. Where right. it's like, okay, uh, <laughs> you know, right. like the scouts is something he genuinely loves and he's good at. And he's, and you, and by the way, I appreciate that you teach us some things. You teach us how to build a fire, how to tie knots. Those, those were like, yeah, hey, I'm going to actually throw you some real scouting things in here. I love scouting. Yeah. I, I really, I got so much out of it. And um, I'm still friends with, you know, a bunch of people I wasn't scouting with. I, I learned a bunch of things I still use today. I was, I was tying my heat lamp to a fence post the other day because the wind kept freaking knocking it over. And I'm like, yeah, I can tie knots because of the Boy Scouts. The Scouts. And um, anybody who reads your book, there's a there's a zoom in on the knots. So I appreciate it. That that was amazing. <laughs> but yeah, it is true because we all know, like statistically, it's proven that you know, pedophiles, there's like homosexuals are are not pedophiles those two things those words aren't interchangeable but for so many people and because of this like you said the way that people assumed that it was true um they were setting that up 
Um, and it's still, people still think that because they're idiots and they don't know how to read. And so it was, you know, it was really fr frustrating and damning and, and, you know, and we all know, like you said, there's now, now it's okay, apparently. Now it's, I guess. You maybe, know, it's. Uh, this, is it? I mean, that's what I've read is that you can be I out and be a troop leader now. You can, you, you won't face, um, uh, you, you can't be fired by like the national board or whatever it's called. Like you can't be let go for that reason. But that's not to say that everything's gonna vary from community to community. And even though it's not um, a fireable offense anymore, people can still be pressured out of their jobs just by their community members, you know? Um, or people will just pull their scouts out of your troop and put them somewhere else. You know, um, it, it's very much about the company that that you keep, right? Um, yeah, that's so true. It, it just really will depend on, on the community you're in, I think. And yeah. scouting, I, scouting now, I'm very sad to say, but also glad in a way is going through a reckoning um, I mean, they they went co-ed maybe a year or two ago, which I never thought I would see. Um, but now also, you know, we're dealing with all of these, th this insane amount of, um, you know, molestation accusations, um, you know, that are totaling more than the Catholic church. Yeah. Um, and it's just so heartbreaking like thinking about all these victims who have been scared and alone for so long like I really my heart just breaks for them especially when they just want to be a part of this program that that I loved and I felt I was lucky to have and um I was lucky that I had leaders who cared about me and um it's just a mess it's such a mess and this house is obviously out of order. And I don't know, I don't know how they come back from this. Um, and of course, I all the people who have good intentions, you know, I'm thinking about them too, but right, because you get it's a lot. I'm still you, digesting yeah. it. No, right, of course. Yeah. And it was, you know, but it was important to bring up, I thought, because oh, yeah, that because not only is Ted as a character, it's important to have that conversation about what could happen, what used to happen, but then, right, the, the, you know, that in the, you know, the juxtaposition against the reality of these, you know, straight men who were doing all this terrible acts of pedophilia and that they were just, because they were just like macho dudes with beards, they could, you know, like, oh, it's fine, but, you know, don't let the gay guy be the orienteering guy. We got to, so it was just such a, it was, again, the hypocrisy and, the, and it's just disgusting right. and, you know, so. But I appreciate that it's in there because then that forces people to who didn't know who maybe are scouts now who didn't know this was something that was happening, um, you know, years ago. This it's just it's a nice, not nice. I don't mean to use it that way, but it's a good uh, historical reference point. And so I thought mm -hmm. it was important. And, mm -hmm. All right. So I, I lied when I said there were only two more questions before. It's I have fine. Two, one, I'm one, good. However one, many you want to ask. <laughs> okay. Well, one quick one about the language, and then X Men, and then we'll end. Yeah. So it's a hard read in a lot of ways. Because it's not the swearing, you know, I say shit and fuck on the show all the time. Shit, fuck, there we go. But the, <laughs> the, the homophobic slurs are just 
horrific. The turn and of one, phrase is cringeworthy. It yeah. is so harsh. I mean, there's, <laughs> and the thing is, is what you do, like when they go to frying pan island and you show the over, overview, <laughs> which is just like, you know, male genitalia there as this <laughs> island, which is hysterical. And I think, I think Aiden's even like, look, it looks like a cock and balls. And I was like, that's so funny. Because of course, that's what a 14 year old boy is going to giggle forever at the fact that we're going to this island that looks like that. <laughs> so, so you do like, you, you know, the, that kind of language, like 14 year old boys swearing and saying cock and balls and calling each other assholes and whatever. But then the, the homophobic language is so hard to read, but it was really important that it's in there. So I, I, it's, it's <laughs> tough. Like I'm a fiction writer. The, the novel that I'm currently um, querying, the main, one of the main characters is gay and, and he's married to a man and, and his older sister hates them. And so she, you know, she uses some of those slur words, which are hard to write, they're hard to read, but they're mm. important that they're in there. So I guess, what's that like for, for me, straight guy writing it, it's hard enough. I, I can't imagine putting those words in there. And like the idea, was there ever a thought on your end of, of um, either bleeping it out or not using all of the words that way? Oh no, I, um... I wanted to get as much of it in as I could. And it was very hard to write that. But also, you know, that was me saying like, yeah, this is what it's like. Like, this is what I lived through. Ugh, um, so sorry. You know, like, I'm not just, uh, I'm not just sensitive, air quotes sensitive. I was always like, I feel like people were always saying like, you're so sensitive. You take things so personally. It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, how could I not? When you're take hearing that shit all the time, you take it personally because um, how do you not? Um, right. it's so it, I think it's important because a lot of people don't, it's just one of those things that people don't talk about it, but some people know that it's there and they don't talk about it. And then some people don't know it's there and don't know because no one talks about it. I mean, right. there, there are a lot of things in this book that I wanted to bring to light because I don't see it talked about. And it's a problem for me because people are always talking about, you know, we got to make things better, but it's like, but we're not addressing the full problem all the time. And like, yeah. we really love to kind of like glance past things. Um, and I just wanted to hold it up to people's faces and be like, no, this is what someone like Aiden has to deal with on a daily basis. So you have to do something yeah. to stand up for him. Um, and if you didn't make us uncomfortable, then it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Yeah. I mean, what, what else is going to drive? So it's all the layering effects and um, you know, someone would call the language a microaggression, right? Um, so you have these big problems and then these constant little, um, do you know Margaret Cho, the comedian? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. um, she said this phrase in one of her stand-up specials that has really resonated with me. And she talked about the microaggressions of racism feeling like a thousand little paper cuts. And, and I was like, that's so on the nose because just one paper cut, you know, if I'm like, oh my God, I got a paper cut, ow, that hurts. Someone's gonna be like, okay, well, it's also a paper cut and you're gonna survive. But right. if you're experiencing that all the time, if you're constantly getting paper cut <laughs> throughout the day, every day, it's just like, 
yeah. can someone stop this, please? Right. Um, eventually, you're going to start like bleeding out. Like, yeah. <laughs> especially when there's gonna... no time to heal. I could keep going with this metaphor. No, no, I appreciate it. No, right. And of course, we see what happens to Aiden. He cracks in, in multiple ways, and there's violence. Yeah. And, and again, I know we can't cover everything. So, X Men, there's a You've got Jean Grey's your favorite, obviously, and um, yeah. Aiden's favorite. And then there's this scene at the Phoenix scene at the end, which is like, you know, I'm borderline sobbing every time I see the Phoenix <laughs> thing at the end because it was like so beautifully set up the whole time. It was such, it was so good for the people who don't even know who the X-Men are, they get it at the end. You know, you see the Phoenix rising at the end. But for those of us who love X-Men and then to have it be the Phoenix at the end, ah, oh, so... I guess it's like, the, obviously we all heard at the beginning your comic book origin story and your love of comic books and the way that the, the you know, the X-Men were important to you. So, so was my question about Gene is, was that, was that always in there or was that a late ad? Were you always like, I need to work this Phoenix metaphor in the whole way because I need my nerds to nerd out with me? Oh my God, absolutely always. So like, good. I am so team Phoenix. And um, I was actually even a little peeved because I wanted to say something really sassy, but I couldn't because it was 1995 and I wanted to complain about how the movie remake. Both um, of them are terrible. Both of them now. X3 I have, I have I, the new one. Oh. Uh, and, you know, I was like, <laughs> you know, and I love Sansa and I was just like, come on let's let's make this happen let's get it right this time how i'm like how did the cartoon manage to get it right even though it deviates from the books they still did a great job with the story how did you f this up like so I bad was so mad and i got i got so mad and both with both of them the thing that's missing is that you know theme of self-sacrifice especially the first movie. It's just like, oh good, Wolverine saved the day. Great. Of course. It's always the Wolverine show. Yeah. I was so mad. I walked out of that theater livid. I bet you and everyone who loved uh, the Dark Phoenix saga were like, did they think that was the Dark Phoenix saga? Did they read did anyone read yeah, that before they somebody the lied to you. That's yeah, what just happened. That's not how that ends. Yeah. Um uh, revisionist history. Yeah, in a so, really bad way. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, with a title like Flamer and having all of this uh, fiery visual thread throughout the book, um, how could I not reference the Phoenix? And she was just kind of the perfect um, reference uh, to, ah. to put in there. And um, so I kind of reference in, in one of Aiden's early dream sequences, he's Jean Grey and yeah. he and Elias is Scott is Cyclops and it's they're, they're on is. the moon they're fighting the Imperial Guard of the Shi'ar right and um yeah I I, I just crack up thinking about it where it's he's, so good she's just like I have these dark thoughts <laughs> the they're taking over me um and she snaps right yeah. Uh, when someone comes for her man. Uh, so, so there's that. And, um, and also just everything with the Phoenix in the book, I, it's like some of my favorite scenes, like the argument that Aiden wrote you has about that. with wait, David. Wait, wait, 
they're arguing about, I like Phoenix, I like Wolverine, they go back and forth, and some other kid at the end is like, Cyclops is my favorite. And they both scream, shut up. And like, shut up. Nobody's favorite is Cyclops. That's fake. If your favorite is Cyclops, you're banned from the group. So he captured that moment. It was like every nerd, as soon as I finished that, I was laughing so hard. And I told my wife, I'm like, He's, this is what it's like to be a comic nerd. If someone were to say, my favorite is Cyclops, your argument would cease and you would gang up on that person for being so stupid. It was perfect. I loved everything about it. it was so I'm great. really proud of that scene. It I have to great. say, I, it's, I still crack myself up yeah. just because it's like, this is the kind of conversation I would have. I've had these arguments with people who are like, Jean Grey. I'm like, don't even try. Also, I just want to like, give a shout out to all the gay guys that have reached out about the book like not you know I've been hearing from a lot of gay grown-ups who are like oh this is the book that I wish I had but then a really large percentage of those people are like oh my god phoenix though and I'm like okay Jean Grey apparently gay icon um she's right up there with Cher apparently love it even more I know right um yeah yeah (laughs) amazing both have burned the world down that's right. And um, what was I going to say? Oh my gosh. So Jerrica Soska interviewed me for my book launch and um, we were doing Q&A and some folks were, someone asked in the Q&A, what would Aiden's drag name be? And I was like, oh, that's a good question. But I was like, okay, I'm, I feel on the spot. So I'm going to turn that around to the audience and like, help me out and you tell uh, me what it would come be. up yeah. with some drag names for Aiden. And my favorite, I almost died, was Jean Gay. <laughs> I was like, that is incredible. Um, uh, wearing so, a red wig. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe maybe she's already out there. Maybe she's already stomping a stage and um, I, hope I, so. I, need, I need to meet her. <laughs> I hope so, we'll have to, yeah. Well, we'll put the call out. Anybody, yes. any uh, drag queens who are Jean Gay, please get hold of Mike. He's on Twitter. Yes, um, please. Well, actually, that's will be my last thing. So let's tell everybody how they can find you. Mike, thank you, first of all, for number one, writing a beautiful, amazing book that is important and everyone should read and should be in the in every high school library. It should be at every public library. It's in my public library. It should be everywhere. If you haven't read Flamer, read, give. It's, it's for, it's so good. It's, it should be in the hands of 100% of people. So thank you, first of all, for writing it. And then for thank agreeing you. to spend this time with me. It has been a pleasure. Um, I, I So many things we didn't even get to, but that's okay. You know, it's all right. That's good because <laughs> then we don't spoil and people need to go read. So um, thank you for that. So tell everybody besides Twitter, which is where I reached out to you, how can everybody find you in the world? Yeah, well, on Twitter, I'm at Mike Corrado. That's uh, my last name is C-U-R-A-T-O. Uh, and I'm I'm mostly on Instagram though. It's Mike underscore Corrado. Really regretting that underscore now. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, why? Why did I do that? Um, so yeah, I I'm kind of addicted to Instagram. It's a problem, but uh, that's usually where you can reach me the most. Okay. Uh, and then I have my website, mikecorrado.com. If you want to check out my books or um, my blog or any online events I'm doing will be posted there. Well, I will link to all of it in the show notes. And um, is there any, um, normally I ask, who do you think should read this? But you've already covered that. So 
my question is, what's your playlist? Was there was there music to this? There's this new song by the Front Bottoms that just came out. Their new album is called In Sickness and In Flames, which I was listening to while I was reading to this. There's a song called The Truth that's on that album. And there's mm. that's the song I think I'm going to end with. I always play out what the song is because there's a line in there where it says, my life just hurts my stomach. <laughs> and I feel like, like that is so Aiden in this moment is his life is hurting him. And then, you know, obviously he he gets through it at the end. But is there a playlist you listen to? Like, is there a soundtrack to Flamer that I should link totally. to? Totally. And you know, it's all 90s grunge. 90s grunge. Do you have a, a Flamer playlist you could send me and I could link to? It okay. I will make one because I've okay. been wanting to make one. Now and you have to. I mean, definitely there's the mixtape that um, he shares with Elias. Right, right? of course. Yeah. Um, and that, all those songs, definitely on the list. Okay. Um, it's all grunge and then like a Madonna song. Which is great um, because everybody <laughs> loves Madonna. That, and if you say you don't, you're a liar. You're a liar. Everybody <laughs> likes at least one Madonna song. Everybody likes at least one. That's right. And it's probably that's Vogue, right. but that's, and that's okay. And that's, I mean, that's fine if that's Completely the only song Completely acceptable. Like. Yeah, for sure. And okay, well, you you'll send, because this isn't going to come out for a few weeks till after, you know, I'm, I'm a few weeks ahead of Perfect. recording. So, so you, if you get that around, you send that to me and then I will link. So everybody go to the show notes and you can, and you can, when you're reading Flamer, which you should, you'll listen to Mike's playlist and you'll, and it'll be great. And so- Yes, thank you for giving me a reason to finally do Okay, this. no, that'll be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great. And so everybody can follow me on Twitter at Tricycle Boombox or go to my website, AR Farina, and we will leave with the front bottoms, the truth. Thank you again, Mike, I appreciate it. All right, thank you so much. You are the truth, I choose to bend myself around. You are the reason I got started and the reason I put it down You are the truth I choose to bend myself around You are the truth I choose to bend myself around Don't worry, I got you Turn and say before you go And now you got my number Anything you need, you let me know How about a glass of water? Someone to drive me back to basics Because the truth got hard to swallow And my life just hurts my stomach If you made the plan, I'd believe it You are the truth, I choose to bend myself around you are the reason I got started and the reason I put it down You are the truth I choose to bend myself around I felt so awkwardly divided, you defined my line somehow The prettiest flower that I have ever seen in my life Special tonight, couples and stripes half price. So we sat down, two perfect strangers. You are the truth, I choose to bend myself around. You are the reason I got started, and the reason I put it down. You are the truth, I choose to bend myself around. I felt so awkwardly divided. You defied my life somehow. You are the truth. I choose. You are the truth. I 
which one of you wants to drive ready to go for a ride i'm talking west coast heady betty thinks he could fly which one of you wants to fight i keep my hands by my side i'm talking head first heavy baby sail or dive which one of you wants to drive ready to go for a ride i'm talking west coast heady betty thinks he could fly which one of you wants to fight i keep my hands by my side i'm talking head first heavy baby sail or dive if you made the plan i believe it if you made the plan i believe it you are the truth